Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got so confident. In this episode, I Skype with actor, writer, and creator Haley Marie Norman. We chat about communicating with your higher power, the relationship between trust and confidence, eliminating the expectation of certain outcomes, and so much more. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? with guest Haley Marie Norman. Hey, Haley. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Did you like that? It was so good. It was so it was so sweet. <laughs> uh, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Uh, thanks for chatting with me on this podcast. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you having me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I usually start out by asking the person if if they consider themselves a confident person. So Haley, do you consider yourself a confident per- person? You know what? It's definitely something that I, I, you know, it's interesting because I don't think it's ever like a blanket thing. Like I think it's, you know, depends on the situation. It depends on the context. It depends on so many other factors. Um, but I am doing, like, I've been doing so much like self-work and therapy and healing from like past traumas and stuff like that, that I do feel generally overall, like I am feeling much more comfortable, uh, with my voice mm-hmm. and for standing up for, um, who I am, um, and working towards a place of, to, of being confident. Yeah. Which I, which is really empowering and cool. You yeah. Know? Yeah. How do you, how are you going about like healing past traumas? Like you mentioned, um, is it like a specific type of therapy or just like generalized talk therapy? Yeah, I started with my therapist um, with the intention of doing EMDR. Mm-hmm. But there was so much going on that um, we ended up just doing like talk therapy, and I think some, I think it's called somatic therapy. Oh which yeah, is, like focusing your eyes on you know whatever. So um, yeah, maybe you can explain somatic therapy better than I just did. No, I mean I've never done it before, but somatic. I know somatic experiencing is like, do you go back and re-experience the traumas in it, or no? Is that something different? I like it's it's funny because we've been I've been doing it on Zoom for so long oh, now. Yeah. So now we've closely been doing talk therapy. So I'm like, how did we do it? I think it was something with like. Eye mo- is it the eye, eye movements one? Uh, well, EMDR is the eye movement. Oh, okay. Um, but somatic therapy is kind of the same thing. Like it's where, you know, when I, when I'm talking about something and start to feel like heightened, like emotions come up, then it's like you find a neutral thing in the room and fix your eyes up on that. But again, I'm doing such a bad job describing it, but, um, oh, you know what? Why don't we just Google it? I'll Google it. Let's see what comes up. Yeah. I, I definitely know it's like to get you out of that, like fight or flight mentality with traumas but I've never I've never done like I've done somatic when did I do oh like voice work and breath work back like in acting stuff but never related to therapy right this is yeah it's called somatic experience so that's what you said is a form of alternative therapy aimed at relieving the symptoms of PTSD and other mental and physically uh, physical trauma related health problems 
by focusing on the client's perceived body sensation. Okay, so it's so, body, in your body. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> that it's something body stuff with therapy is something that like I feel like a lot of people look over that because they're all like very in their head and like it's cognitive, it's question and answer, and it's that too. But there's also like such a strong body work component to therapy at least with like trauma therapy that I've done that's like super that's like super important um when do you feel most confident in your life um I feel most confident in my when I'm doing what I love like writing performing acting um when I and I'm I'm really hard worker so I think I think you know which I'm not afraid to say I think a lot of people kind of like think it's like not cool to like be a hard worker it's like this idea that oh I just showed up and I, I did this thing but no I, I I work hard at what I do because I love it and I find the process rewarding and interesting and fascinating even even when it feels awful and you know when I do a job when it's a job well done when I feel good about what I do that's like a high for me that's one of the best feelings in the world you know yeah um and then I think as far as like, you know, when it comes to day-to-day life experiences, I think like, you know, learning to use my voice, like in situations where I think people would normally be like silenced or be afraid to speak out, but uh, speaking my truth, standing up for what's right, even when it's hard and even when I feel shaky inside. But like, I think when you do that enough times, when you learn to share your truth, it becomes a little bit like easier and easier every time maybe depending on the situation yeah do you because you're very I love that you're very outspoken on like social media about like just speaking your truths have you ever had an experience that like caused you to get your confidence knocked whether it was um because you were using your voice and speaking your truth or something else that you can think of and how do you like soothe that yeah, I mean, I think as a black woman in this world, I'm always getting my confidence knocked. You know what I mean? Like, it's always people trying to, you know, in w- whether it's overt or not, um, you know, I think that, you know, we just live in a world where when you're black or other, um, almost every experience is going to be, you know, until you do the work on it and recognize it, there are a lot of experiences that kind of dictate your self-worth mm. and therefore your level of um, confidence. So, I mean, I, I there's like mil- mm. myriad yeah, experiences yeah, yeah, yeah. Things that have like, you know, made me feel less than, you know. Yeah. And how do you like, obviously therapy is like a huge help, but like, for as in terms of like a day-to-day thing so like something happens it knocks your confidence down do you like take a nap or do you meditate or do you like do you have any like day-to-day things that you do or mantras that you say or anything that help you in that moment yeah I, I do a lot of um you know meditating um I have a really strong support system mm. which is amazing because I didn't always have that but I think as I've gotten older I'm recognizing you know who's like you know a flimsy card in in my life and and who's the real deal Mm -hmm. and so I think surrounding myself with like real deal people advocates people who will advocate for me 
learning to advocate on behalf of myself, um, meditating, taking it to a group, communicating with my higher power. Those are all just some Yeah. Were you a confident kid? No, I don't think I, I, I think, I think a lot of people have perceived me as confident my whole life, which oh, really? was always interesting to me. But again, I think that comes down to like how people just perceive black women as mm-hmm. like, oh, you're strong. Oh, you're sad. Oh, you're whatever. Um, because there were, there's been times where I felt really, you know, down and low and people are like, but you're so confident, you know? And I'm like, oh, that, that's, it's, you know, maybe there's a truth to like, that I project some of that stuff, but I also think that some of that just comes down to like bias and, and how we expect like, you know, a people of color to like move in this world or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, my life, my life, ex- I, I, I definitely wasn't a confident kid because I was grappling, you know, race. My mom is white and I was raised in all white environments. And so, you know, I, I had a lot to figure out and not a lot of guidance in figuring that out. Oh, yeah. Were you, so you were born, where were you born? California, right? Yeah, Agora Hills, Sherman Oaks. Actually. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So like right around the, right around the corner. Okay, cool. Yeah. And you grew up with your mom, you said? I, yeah, I grew up, um, my parents separated when I was young. So um, my dad has always been, you know, an active and integral part of my life. Uh, but for the first part of my life, I did end up living mostly with um, my mom and then later in life with my dad. Did you grow up with any siblings or was or were you an only child? I was an only child for a long time. And then um, and then my mom remarried and had another baby, my husband. How, was, how did being an only child like factor into your confidence? I know that in doing these talks, um, when I've discussed it with people who have siblings and they're the oldest they were like well I had to be the person that the younger siblings look, looked up to um and I've talked to a few people who were only children for at least some point of their life and they they talked a little bit about um which I love like having imaginary friends and having to like uh, uh make their own uh playtime and and things like that did you experience anything as an only child that helped you with your confidence I mean, I, I, I think it definitely like nourished my creativity in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like I was always creating something. I was always lifting. One one thing that I think it's like kind of easy to conflate these two, I'm realizing as I'm talking about it out loud, is I've always like marched to the beat of my own drummer. Like I've always been a little off center, a little kooky, a little weird. And I think just based on the way I, I look and the packages, the that I, you know, the boxes that people expect me to fit into, um, that it like throws them off a little bit, you know, cause they're like, wait, who, like what, who, like they don't expect me to be the person, um, that I am. But I think, yeah, I've always been a little like off center, a little offbeat. And I think people perceive that as self-confidence because they're like, oh, she's like not afraid to be mm. herself. And it, it's not that I was never afraid to be myself. I just like, didn't know any other way and I was so into all the arts and all the stuff that that I was into so um but so I think maybe in that way be you know being an only child for so long kind of cultivated that but um but then no because when my sister was born it was like all about like I didn't matter it was all about my sister yeah so that probably didn't help my confidence Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when was when how old were you when she was born? 
I was like in elementary school. Okay, so you're still young. Yeah, yeah I was still young, but I had had some spare time by myself. Yeah. You know? How did that? How did that impact you when you had a new sibling? I mean, I was really excited. You know, I was really excited because um, I wanted a sibling, but I also grew up in like you know a fractured, dysfunctional home. So it you know. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. When did you find the arts and theater and writing and creativity? Like around what age was it in elementary school or older than that? No, I think I was born with it. Like I've been, I've been in my, I really, I really do. Yeah. Like I've been in my union, the Screen Actors Guild, since I was seven years old. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my God. And- you know, isn't that crazy? Since I was seven, that's and wild. I had no idea. I know, isn't that so crazy. Yeah. It's it is really wild. Um, yeah, I didn't know so you were wild. a child actor. I was. Yeah, I. It was mostly like um, commercials and print work, and I think I did some TV spots here and there. Uh, but I mostly did. Um, I mostly did print work. I did a lot of commercials. I'm sure you know that's all affected my self esteem in so many negative ways that I haven't even begun to unpack yet um but I was acting and modeling and doing all that stuff at a very young age because I wanted to it wasn't any sort of pressure or whatever that my parents put on me um and I was also a ballet dancer and a and um a competitive roller figure skater and so I you know creating and living in my imagination has just always been a part of who I am like I I'm just gonna be in the arts for the rest of my life and I, and I and I just came out of the womb like that, you know. Yeah. How? What? I mean, I don't think I've talked to anybody who's been acting or a, like professionally since they were seven years old. How did? Yeah. I mean, how did that influence you? Impact you? Form you? Because it's like during your formative, formative, formative. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in quarantine too long. Formative <laughs> years. Um, I. I was not working at that age like you were and I doing something that you love obviously but did that affect you positively or negatively in any way um yeah I think you know it was always really fun for me and so I think in some you know probably really pure genuine naive childlike ways it gave me some fun confidence like I remember doing like a photo shoot in particular where they just made me look so cool like I felt like I looked like a runway model oh and I did a lot of stuff for like limited too and like cool brands and stuff and so that was always that was always really fun for me um on the on the other hand it was dictated to me from a really early age that like oh I'm not getting this because of the way I look. I'm not getting this because blah, blah, blah. And like kind of putting, um, putting, giving power away to other people. Like there's this whole idea in the, you know, in our industry that's like, you know, if someone asks you if you can do something, you just say yes. Right. Even if you have to learn it older, like you just say yes. And so I, and I think that's like, I don't just say yes anymore. Mm. In fact, I think it's like more powerful to say no mm. and to say you're not. I, I think like growing up in a in an environment where like I had to smile and be cute and say yes to everything was probably really damaging to you know 
of my confidence on a deeper level than what I knew was happening at the time, you know? Yeah. Does that go hand in hand at all with like setting boundaries? Were you good at that or are you good at that? And then, um, I'm very good at it. I feel like I'm actually good at it now. Like I didn't know what boundaries were for a long time. Yeah, me either. I, I like terribly. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now I have, you know, now I have boundaries and, and that feels great. Like I get to be my own, um, mama bear, you know? Yeah. How are you, how are you cultivating knowing your boundaries? Is it just like slowly setting them little by little and then like seeing how that affects you? Um, cause I also, I also, I was talking to somebody else on this podcast and we were talking about, um, like having to teach people how to treat you through yeah. like setting boundaries because I don't know about you, but I've always been like, oh yeah, people know how to treat me because you just treat people fairly and and that's not at all how the world works. Um, right. Do you have any experiences with like setting boundaries or like having to teach people how to treat you in t- with intention? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's tricky. Sometimes I find that I have a boundary I didn't know I have. I had like when it's been crossed and then I can go, oh, okay, I actually don't feel good about this. Like, and then in the moment you have, a, a, or, you know, later you can decide, is this a conversation that I want to have? You know, do I want to have a conversation with this person about it? Or is actually the, the best thing for me to do to you know, move on from the situation, whether that means continuing to have a relationship with that person or not, I guess, depending on what it is. But but then now, you know, for the next time that you have a boundary or whatever. Um, So I am only just getting attuned to like, not only maybe in the last like year or so, like, but getting attuned to what I feel comfortable with and expressing and expressing that. And it changes all the time. Yeah, I, I relate to that. And I'm dealing with, like, feeling bad about it after. Do you ever yeah. feel like that? Where you're, like, you set a boundary and then and then the person reacts negatively and then you, like, back, backtrack on it? I feel like that's something that I have a really hard time with. Um, I don't know. I don't feel that way only because I know I'm not responsible for other people's triggers. So if I set a boundary and they have a problem with it, then that's something that they need to do that if they choose to, they can do work on or that they can have their feelings around, but I'm not responsible for their feelings. (laughs) (laughs) That's, it's so important to remember that. Um, I, I mean, I obviously like intellectually know I'm not responsible for another person's feelings, but in the moment it can be like very challenging um have you experienced anything that like really boosted your confidence like a success whether it's like on a personal level or a relationship romantic or friendship or otherwise that you want to talk about well I think we have to be careful about letting external things boost our confidence because those are the things that are quixotic they can change at any moment so a job can't be, you know, I, and I think that's why we have so many toxic and, 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 and terrible people in our business is because, you know, for them being on top is, um, you know, what they've made their higher power and what they need so that they feel worthy and whatever. Yeah. And 
I think that's a really dangerous cycle. And, and it, I, it took a lot of self-work for me to do that because, like I said, I, I grew up in this business. And so there was a long time where um, I felt like my worth was dictated by how much I was working, what I was doing, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've been through a lot, which is why I feel like I can be really sober about these issues like and and have my head on straight and so in so many ways like that is a blessing so no no you know getting a job selling a show something like that are they're fun and they feel good but they can't be a level of confidence because eventually your your show doesn't go it gets canceled you get dragged on twitter like i'm just thinking of things that i see out there you know like uh, the the friendship ends, the relationship ends, the this, the that. Like it's got to just come from work that you do on the inside and feeling good about the person that you are. And now I'm at a place in my life where I think about my actions more. You know, I still say things that I regret sometimes. I still do things that I don't always feel proud of, but I think about them longer. And I'm not afraid to make amends, you know, when I feel like I have overstepped or, you know. So my confidence is coming internally and I think that's the only place it can really come for anybody you know yeah that's like that's big I don't know that I've actually even really talked that in depth about internal confidence and it not coming from an external source and I'm just like yeah the other things do feel good but like what if you didn't have any of that when it inevitably changes. Um, I wonder if that's something that people deal with in other industries, like with work and and getting jobs. And I'm sure it is. It can't be just this industry. Yeah, I think a lot of people tend to put, you know, their power to things outside of themselves. Um, But this industry probably does make people a little bit more uh, neurotic and doubt themselves than other industries. Because with other jobs, it's like you get the job. Like, even if your boss doesn't like you, or even if you're still having to prove yourself, you still have the job. Like we work in a business where it's like you prove yourself a million times over, but you're always having to audition for the next job. You know, maybe, I mean, sometimes there's an offer or whatever, that's great, but it's still a conversation as far as like, are you going to get the next job? So I think it's just, it's different. You know? Yeah. Do you like journal or do, cause I'm like, you're right. It is internal. It has to be internal, but I'm still like, but how do I do it then? Like therapy, check. Meditation, check. Finding what you love and doing it because you love it, right? Not because you're getting anything for it. I'm like, what? how else can you cultivate that like internal confidence? Well, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a program called Al-Anon, which is for like, friends and family of alcoholics, but mostly it just is, you know, the word alcohol can be substituted for any sort of ism or dysfunction or whatever. Like Al-Anon is um, something that everyone can benefit from. And I clarify it only because I, I think a lot of people think Al-Anon is the same thing as like AA or, you know, those are, those are different programs, but they're all based on the 12 steps. So for me, you know, I, you know, I think that doing, the steps in a spiritually based program mm. is the best way to do any of this stuff. And and that's, that's what has been absolutely life changing for me. So it's really like 
spirituality has changed you, you would say. Yeah. Or impacted mm-hmm. you, maybe not changed you, but influenced and impacted you. Um it's a com- it's 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 a spiritual program, but also but then there's you know the 12 steps. And the 12 steps are you know, they're the best work that you can ever do on yourself, better than any sort of I've seen a lot of therapists in my life and I've been a part of a lot of things and nothing for me has been more profound than, you know, working a program. Do you think it would be beneficial for people who, I know you explained that it's for any sort of ism, but if someone's like, well, I just want to work on myself, is that a place that they would be welcome in doing that? Or is it very specific to? No, everyone's welcome. Everyone has a seat in Al-Anon and most people who are drawn to it, it's, it's like the most common thing that people don't know why they're there, but they're kind of drawn to it. And then as they're in the program longer, they go, oh, yeah, this person was an alcoholic. And I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, God, my dad was a rager. Jeez, I, I totally didn't put those connections together. Oh, my mom was a workaholic. My mom was unavailable. Oh, my dad didn't really hug me that much growing up. Oh, wait, I never saw my parents getting along. Oh, hold on. My aunt is an alcoholic and her son's in jail. Like, it's just we might be a little bit in denial about like all the different, you know, Mm -hmm. things in our life that um, kind of lead us here. So, so that's a very long way of saying a lot of people, you know, start attending meetings. They don't know that they qualify, but they keep coming back and then they realize, um, Oh shit, this is, Oh my God. I just remembered, you know? Yeah. Cause I've only done like traditional therapy in a one-on-one setting, like I've never really delved into it being in a group and I want to go, but I'm scared. Yeah. Everyone's scared. Yeah. Everyone's scared. They, yeah. Everyone is scared when they go to their first Al-Anon meeting. And I don't know why really. I mean, there's so many reasons, I guess. You can go on Zoom now. All the meetings are on Zoom. Oh, they are? Yeah. You could just go on Zoom and like turn off your camera. Oh, I might have to do that. (laughs) but I want to be brave I want to be brave and confident but like I don't know why one of the things we talk about a lot is contrary actions so like you know a lot of times when there's something that you if there's if there's something that you don't want to do like there's usually a good reason why you don't want to do it that can be distilled down to fear not whatever so this idea of doing contrary action that you don't want to do um because it ends up you know because it's it's the thing that will strengthen you that's good for you you know um yeah I was thinking the other day about like why sometimes we don't do the things that we know are good for us like whether it's going on a walk or I mean my thing is usually based around like moving my body in some like meaningful way um Or like journaling or like I know some people do morning pages and that's how they get in touch with themselves. And it's like, why do we put off these things that we know are good for us? And it's that, what did you, what what is it called? Contrary. Contrary action. And I think part of what you're talking about too, though, is just like, it's a different type of um, self-harm, which seems like a really judgmental way of saying it. But I'm saying that as someone who's done that to myself so many times over, like sometimes it's like, I know this is bad for me, but I'm going to do it anyway, or I'm not going to do the thing that I know is going to make me um, 
feel good. And I think on some level that is the version of like self harm, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a practice to learn to take care of yourself. You know? Yeah. And it's like knowing, really knowing yourself, right? Because it's like, just for a, an example, it's like going on the Peloton. It's like some days I need to rest and I need to like listen to my body. And other days, like you're saying, it's a version of self-harm because I know that it would be helpful. So it's like sitting with it and like being able to distinguish the difference between what your gut and intuition is saying and like knowing when to push through and do it because it's helpful. Do you, does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's some days where I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, take this class today because I, I need to rest or whatever. And then there's other days where it's like, oh, I just don't want to do something that's good for me right now because I want to sit around and feel bad about myself and be on my phone or whatever. So then I know, okay, that's, I'm being harmful to myself. Yeah. Have you, I want to ask like an event that, brought you joy even if it's not like confidence related because I want to say it with confidence like that it gave you confidence but we talked about how that's coming from internally but I want to hear about like joys and I guess just joys in your life yeah Um, Yeah. joy is amazing it's such a strong and beautiful and pure feeling um so I guess like when I first started like dating my husband like I remember like I was so joyous because I had never been with someone who like treated me the way that he did and like saw me for who I was. And we did so amazing, so many like amazingly fun things that I had never allowed myself to do before. Like, you know, go on a cross country motorcycle trip and, you know, just, uh, just like kind of being seen and heard by someone in a new way and feeling like I met my, you know, soulmate or whatever. Um, like that brought me a lot of joy. My animals bring me so much joy. Um, and just like hanging out with my friends. Like I'm, I also think I can be, you know, uh, yeah, I love being with like my group of friends. I have, I have really amazing friends and I love to get us together. And like that brings me joy. It's people supported, you know? Yeah. I'm like trying to figure out like how can we use joy to positively affect our confidence without it coming from an external source right well because it's still internal like even if it's like you feel joyous about something and it's a job well done if internal I think still internally it can like make you be like oh wow I am really good at that thing or um just feeling good in general I think is like a confidence boost, but I think you just have to be aware of, like, I think if the, if it's like, oh, I'm on a show, like, it can't be the show that gives you confidence. Like, maybe the confidence is like, wow, like, I am a really good, I'm really good to my other cast members. I show up to work on time. I know my lines and I'm, and I'm funny. I'm, I'm good at my job. Wow. Those things, those are internal things that you get I guess from an external experience so it can't be like oh I'm on Ozark and that gives me all my confidence it's got to be like the other things that you have control over that do then make you feel confident like I can can get confidence from an audition 
because I fucking killed the audition, even if I don't get the job. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not the show or what the movie or whatever, but it's like how I feel about how I did. Yeah. So it's not like, yeah, it's not, it's like a version of non-attachment in terms of like outcome, right? It's like you're confident based on the process, not the end result. Yeah, I guess. And I guess some of it comes down to experience because if you're talking about like a young actor, maybe someone who's never been on a show before and they're really nervous and then they, sorry, I just keep bringing it back to acting, but like I said, I've been doing it since I was seven years old. No, so it's my your, frame of reference for life yeah, is small. That's your, it's your passion and your craft and you love it. Of course you're going to talk about it. But like if someone, if it's their first time on a show, they might not be that confident because there's a lot of moving pieces that they don't understand. The next time they uh, when they're on another show, they might be a little bit more confident because now they understand how it works. So I think there's a different type of confidence that can come from experience, but mm. it can't be eternal self-worth type of confidence, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a job that you can remember that you really felt that that internal confidence appear, whether it was something that like you felt I'm really funny in this. I treat my cast members good. You might feel like this maybe on every job, but is there like one in particular that stands out to you at all? I feel like starting, you know, um, I feel like starting to create my own stuff is what gave me the deepest level of confidence because I always wanted to tell stories, but because I grew up, you know, because I went to like pretty rigid theater conservatories and schools, it was always this idea that like, you're an actor, like, it is, you're, it's not know your lane because it wasn't like it was talking down to actors or whatever. It was all about the love of the craft, you know, but it was like you were meant to, like, worship every morsel that, like, the writer wrote, you know, that sort of thing. And it was like, oh, no, not me, you know. So I think, um, I think, like, kind of breaking past that and using my voice to tell stories that are really important to me and um, and having my voice like seen and heard by other people who, um, you know, come, want to produce me, come on board, whatever. Like that is, um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> if there's any job that you've done that like has oh, brought yeah. you that like internal confidence. I don't think anything as much as just writing my own stuff, getting it out into the world, pitching it, that sort of thing. When did you start writing? Um, maybe like five years ago or something. How did you yeah. get into that? Um, because I just have so many stories to tell, you know, and I started, real, you know, I was on a comedy team and started realizing like, oh, I'm really good at this. Like I, I once I realized like, oh, I understand, I'm really good at like, story and tone um writing jokes and whatever so uh, so when i when i was on a um uh my first experience on a ucb comedy team i was like oh i'm really good at this actually and um and i was like why am i writing projects for other people when i could be doing it for myself you know Mm -hmm. and before i did it and you know the all the different levels of people that i worked with I was like oh yeah I, I can do this you know yeah how did that like evolve into pitching where was were you like hey manager at the time I'm writing this is my stuff like get it like f- 
start pitching it or like how did that process come about? Um, you know, yeah, it's so interesting because as an actor, I definitely like actually now I'm remembering that like, you know, over a decade ago, I had, you know, an idea for a series and I remember my manager just being like, people don't like like actresses who write. And I was like, oh, okay. And like believed him and didn't think about writing for a long time after that. Um, and then, um, and then, yeah, I just, I love comedy. I love creating. It's so hard to just not tell your own stuff. And luckily I started working with people who encouraged me to use my voice and realized that I was good and helped set me up for success. So like there was a point where people were like, oh no, this, you can't do this thing. And you were like, okay. Yeah. I think that's every day in Hollywood, whether it's writing or this or that. There's always people who are like, no, you can't do it. Yeah. And it just took like the past five years or so of self-work to get you to a place where you're now like, okay, well, that's on you and I'm still going to do the thing. Yeah. I mean, even even again, when it comes to just being like a black woman, like people like there were so many roles that I wanted to go up with. And they're like, no, I mean, you're black. Like, I don't know if the world is like I remember I had like uh, braids once, cornrows, and my acting teacher at the time was like, I just don't know that the world's like ready for that. Like, so it just at every turn, it's just people continually, you know, trying to tell you that you ain't shit, you know, yeah. but you know, so yeah, it's, it's certainly been a long journey in what, and outside of Hollywood. Yeah. Was there like a turning point after this manager said no to writing after the acting teacher was a bitch and like all of that stuff. Was there a turning point where you were like, no, not, no, I'm not going to listen to this anymore. Or is it like a slow, steady evolution? Yeah, I think it was like a slow, steady evolution. I was definitely like scared at first, um, gave a lot of my power away, intimidated, um, you know, questioning myself, all that stuff, for sure. Yeah, because it feels like you you really know yourself, you really know what you want, know what you're able to do, what you can do, what you want to do, and are really, like, settled into that, like, core power. Um, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> thank you I think it's pretty cool I like that I'll take it thank uh, you. Um, I was reading this article and it was it was listed like seven things for confidence and one was like perspective change and like changing the story that you're telling yourself is that something that you've gone through in your life well okay so for me um, so someone once told me I was talking with someone once about the idea of trust and I realized, and I, and so I was like, let me look up the definition of trust. Let me just look up. We all know what it means, but let me look up the definition. So I looked it up and the definition of trust is reliance on the integrity, strength, ability, surety, etc., of a person or thing, confidence, confident expectation of something, hope. Um, and so I realized like when reading that, that like, I wasn't trusting myself, like, and I didn't even realize that I wasn't trusting myself. 
And I know that I'm a good person. I will always lead with the best intentions and with a good heart. I'm good at what I do. And so why would I not trust myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So then it became a daily exercise of learning to trust myself, which is, you know, become synonymous with confidence. But for me, it just hit me more when I put it in the context of trust. Do I really trust myself? Yeah, that's big. That's not something that I've talked about, I don't think ever on this podcast, is like confidence being synonymous with trusting yourself. Um, but that's, that's totally what it is. Um, wow. Uh, oh my God, I had a question, but that just (laughs) (laughs) knocked me off. I think there was like seven elements. I kind of changed it a little bit because the first one I didn't totally relate to, but it reminded me of it. No, that, that's, that's, that's exact. I mean, trust is so huge. Um, it was like the seven were loving kindness non-attachment, being yourself, mindfulness, perspective change, creative visualization, and will strengthening. And it was like these- Oh, I love that. Those are all amazing. It was like these are seven things that you can do to help with your confidence. Um, how has – you do TM, right? Mm-hmm. How, yeah. How has that, has that played into your life? Or like when did you start doing that? It's great. I'm trying not to punish myself that I only do it once a day. Like there's a part of me that's like, oh, I'm not good enough because I don't, I don't do this twice a day. But then it's like, no, I'm fine. It's good. I yeah. meditate for 10 minutes every day. Um, I would love to add the second meditation into my practice. And I know that it would make me feel good and be integral. I just, um, not be integral. I know it would make me feel good and be impactful or whatever. But um I still, I just mostly do it one day, one, one time a day. How, how long have you been doing it for? Like years? A couple of years. Yeah. Do you do TM? Yeah. Um, okay. I'm a, I, I'll go in stages. Sometimes I'll do twice a day. Sometimes I'll do once a day. Some days I won't do it at all. Um, they have this thing. Did you send this to me or did somebody else send it? No, someone else sent it to me. I should send it to you where they have like call in. Um, you can call in and everybody's meditating together. Like everybody's on mute oh, cool. or whatever, but yeah. like. It's like thousands of people um, yeah, and they have, awesome. they have it like multiple times a day. Um, I think I got into it. Well, I should ask you, why did you get into TM? Um, I just, because I knew that there was a lot of like trauma and stuff that I was unpacking, um, Yeah. you know, seeing where my shortfalls were, my, my shortfalls were and um you know just my quest to be a better person and also and so I mostly did it for like my own internal reasons but also outside of that I've also you know again I said I've you know been a creative my whole life and I've always been a fan of like David Lynch and I was also like oh he does this thing like I wonder how his brain works because it's like freaking amazing yeah you know um yeah I got into it I think probably for similar reasons, like recently, within the last year, um, just like trying to find another outlet for trauma therapy, I think. Um, but man, do I notice a difference when I do it to when I don't do it? Oh my God, huge difference. Like, like if I don't fucking meditate, get up. I know. Um, do you do it in the mornings? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I need to be yeah. better. I do mine in the evenings, but I should be better about doing it in the mornings. Um, I'm like so tired, but like I, I like 
hate I get ready for bed, but like I also like hate getting ready for bed. Like there's something about the evenings where I just like once I'm done with my day, I'm so excited to just like watch Living Single. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm just like, oh, I really want to just like watch Living Single for the millionth time right now. I don't want to have to meditate, but but I'll, I'll, I'm probably almost there because I already added like reading and journaling and stuff. Newly, newly added that into my nighttime routine. This is the, this pandemic is the first time in my life that I'm ever able to have like a real like make a schedule for myself yeah. because before it would be like you know three o'clock in the afternoon you think you're gonna know what you're gonna have to do for that night and then it's like here's 17 pages you have to know by nine o'clock in the morning so now that that's not really the case I've been able to make my own schedule and like I fucking love that like I, I there's still some days that I don't have it but like this whole schedule thing is very new for me I've never had a schedule Same. I've only couple regular jobs in my life where like you know what I mean yeah so it's kind of exciting yeah I was gonna say how has routine like this newly introduced routine impacted your life and your creativity and maybe your confidence secondhand or yeah it's great because it's just giving me structure that I've never not had before and I think I thrive under structure oh that's a really good thing to know about yourself yeah because um, I feel like some people thrive under structure and some don't yeah um so that's such a good thing to know about yourself uh this is a little bit off topic but how do you deal with how do you personally deal with like a toxic person or maybe toxic is pretty strong of a word because that's on a spectrum that's pretty on the the far side but like someone who's like not good for you whether it's a friendship a co-worker whatever how 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 do you deal with that boundaries and I think it's also you know I've definitely had a lot of toxic people in my life and I think that was totally in line with the fact that like I didn't have self-worth for a long time and I didn't know that I didn't have self-worth um I didn't have confidence I didn't have boundaries everything was external for me so that certainly led me to um a lot of you know like toxic people have thrived on me for a long time you know um I'm happy and proud to say that that's no longer the case and every day you know I'm continuing to surround myself with you know strong meanwhile people who support me in every in you know in all the ways um I guess I try to remember that like a lot of people who are toxic perhaps came by it honestly. Like, you know, who knows what their life situation was like, who knows, whatever. So I try not to just, like, blanket judge people. But I've also been treated really terribly by a lot of um, people. But I guess I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to figure out, like, why they are the way that they are. But I can decide for myself, like, oh, I don't want that in my life. And then um, I don't – and then I just don't have to. And I guess I'm probably getting better at, like, I think because I'm getting, I'm growing into myself so much, maybe people fuck with me a little bit less than they do did before, or mm. maybe I'm just putting myself in the same situations as I did before. But I think there was probably a chance that people could smell it on me before, you know, smell that I could totally take advantage of you, and I don't think I give off that vibe anymore. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, but I still think I might smell like, smell like it a little <laughs> bit. Um and I'm like, what is it? What is it about me and former Haley that 
that made people feel like they could take advantage. Right. What What was it? And is it a lack? Was it a lack of confidence? I mean, it was, I guess it was a lot of things. But um, yeah. What do you do if it's a family member, though? Same thing. Set boundaries. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. Because I'm. Set- I'm like having that moment where I'm like okay, a family member's toxic. Do I set boundaries and still have them in my life or do I cut them out completely? And like, I don't know the answer yet. Yeah. And I think meditating on it, like in program, they would say, you know, talk to your higher power about it. Like the answer for everyone is different. There's a lot of people who have toxic relationships with their parents and don't talk to them anymore. There's a lot of people who have toxic relationships with their parents and are, but are able to navigate it in a way that makes it no longer toxic because relationships are like an, you know, they're like an equation. Um, If you change one part of the relationship, the whole relationship changes. So if you and I are in a relationship and we're fighting all the time or something, I don't need you to change for our relationship to change. I just have to change. So maybe that means if you want to start a fight with me, I just don't pick up the rope. Maybe I know I don't want to get in the ring with you. Maybe, um, Maybe I know that, okay, once things are feeling heightened, you know, I'm going to excuse myself and I'm not going to feel pressure to answer your phone calls. I'm going to wait for things to calm down or I'm going to say to you, hey, actually, you don't get to talk to me like that. So um, I'll contact you when I'm ready. Like, it can look like a million different things, but, you know, I don't think that you have to just, like, be cool with someone because they're, like, your family member. Like, you don't have to just take their shit because you share this yeah that's important to remember I feel like sometimes we're pressured into like staying close to family members even if they're like very bad for you and like that doesn't have to be the only option I definitely have some family members that have caused me extreme pain um and it is it's really painful it's it's not easy um you know and I've just figured out what slowly what my boundaries are, what I feel comfortable with, how much I'm going to engage, how much I'm not going to engage, the things that I'm going to engage about. Like there's certain things that I know I can't go to certain people in my family about Mm. because I'm going to let, I'm going to go to them about something vulnerable and I'm going to end up feeling worse than I did when I, than before I went to them, you know? So I know, okay, these are, this is the kind of relationship I have with this person where we can talk about these things. Recently I did just, you know, kind of say my truth, with some family members and um and I knew that I waited a long time to do it until I until it felt like the right time I wasn't going to rush it and I was just at a place where I knew again that I wasn't responsible for their feelings and how they felt about it I wasn't expecting an out a certain outcome I wasn't like I'm going to send this email and then we're going to have the best relationship ever I was like I'm going to send this email because it's important for me to stand up for little Haley and say this is my truth and this is my reality and I don't need you to respond or I don't need you to respond a certain way or whatever, you know? And then if they end up being, you know, validating you, that's just like, I just the cake. Yeah. So it's like speaking your truth and not expecting a certain outcome. Right. Okay. Yeah. If there was, since we're um, wrapping up, is there any advice that you'd give to your younger self, to little Haley? If I, like what I would want to do and for to give myself advice is just like love myself, which I feel like I'm getting the opportunity to do as an adult. Like 
I'm really getting in touch with, you know, my inner child, like young Haley and reparenting her. And so I already feel like I'm getting to watch like my inner child grow up and heal from like the traumas and stuff that I experienced and, and was subjected to. And so for me, that's kind of what I'm doing is reparenting myself. Mm, that's so important. Um, yeah. And the 12 step program is something that's really helpful with that. Extraordinarily, yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get the info from you. Um, Okay, I'm going to recap Haley's tips for confidence. Actually, the first big one is, like, remember that it's internal confidence. It's got to come from – I think that's that's the biggest takeaway I think I've I've got from this conversation is that, like, it can't be confidence from an external source. It has to be from – inside you. So that's the biggest one. Um, okay. Self-work therapy, heal traumas, do what you love, uh, learn to use your voice, speak your truth, get a strong support system, communicate with your higher power, cultivate creativity. There's power in saying no. Remember you're not responsible for people's feelings. Find a spiritual based program, create your own work, trust yourself meditation, don't expect a certain outcome, and confidence comes from inside, and reparent yourself. Yes. (laughs) Do do you want to correct any of them, or do they all sound... It's just funny, because when it's like a laundry list like that, it seems like impossible. I'm going to be like, I can't do all these things. (laughs) But it's little little by little. You know, it's it's the job of a lifetime. It is. Oh, It it never ends. It is the job of a lifetime. Um, thanks so much for letting me pick your brain for an hour. Of course. So good talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? I'd love to hear from listeners about things that have helped you build your confidence, whether that's a mantra, a routine, maybe a favorite book or an event that you went through. Leave it in the review section. Or if you have a question regarding confidence that you'd love to hear discussed on this podcast, you can leave that in the review section as well and I'll check it out. Thanks again.